0: This is part two of an interview between Serving Leaders Ministry and Netzer. Dave and Tim continue in conversation about forgiving the church, about mental health, and about the need to submit to and be surprised by the gospel. Music for this episode and for the season is contributed by Aaron Strumpel, Be sure to check out the show notes for more information. So for both of you, I guess there's the question of there is the internal work that I as a leader need to do, that I need to face up to, that I need to seek out accountability. But what might be some strategies that you either work with congregations on to create a healthy environment or to help a leadership team think about the care for themselves and for the leaders? So the the communal environment of care and of accountability.
1: When we go into a church to do a spiritual health assessment, what we're primarily looking at is what do healthy relationships look like? The The church is made up of people and God. God is the leader of the church. Christ is the leader of the church. And then he's building with people. We all as living stones are being built into a spiritual house. And then all the connectors between us and one another and us and God are the relationships. We always talk about that at Netzer as the ligaments. Ephesians 4 says we're joined and held together by the supporting ligaments. The joints or the ligaments or the mortar between the living stones, Like all of those connectors are the things that when we come into a situation for health assessment, we say God is calling us. The whole, all the commandments hang on this, that we're loving God and we're loving one another. And so everything's about those relationships. So then the assessment, spiritual health assessment is, is the relationship with God, both the corporate relationship with God as a congregation and the individual relationships with God, are they healthy? And then are the internal relationships with one another very healthy and one of the key relationships of course is going to be between leadership and the rest of the congregation if there's there typically is some sort of line of division there between you know what is leadership and that could be in an elder-led church or a pastor-led church or whatever and then sometimes that's between a pastor and the leadership team as well looking at those kind of those relationships becomes incredibly important to saying, are we really trusting and loving one another? Are we covenantally like bound together for one another with one another? Or are we really trying to, in the same way that Dave was saying, a pastor can squeeze things out of their staff or out of their people. And he was also saying earlier, a church or a leadership team can try to do that from a pastor, can try to squeeze things out of a pastor. And so we're looking at those places and saying, what does it look like to assume that God put us in one another's lives so that we need one another in order for the fullness of Christ to come out? And so our mindset has to be, how do we empower the best out of that person rather than expect things that I need? Instead, how are we working together to see the fullness of Christ? That's not very practical yet. (laughs) That was more philosophical, but it's just saying that's the perspective we come with. And, And I'm going to pause there, but that's the perspective by which we assess and then begin to put in practical things that could help us be more healthy.
2: I love that, Tim. As I see it, one of the biggest problems in the church culture is emotional immaturity. That may not be too profound, but it's profound the idea that if we just learn the Bible without applying truths deeply in our hearts and we can have a healthy church environment is just it's just false so for me one of the best things that I think a church can do is implement the emotionally healthy discipleship courses that I, I've been teaching these for 10 years 12 years now actually at, at my church of Providence and using these as ongoing discipleship tools now people think about discipleship in a pretty narrow form narrow way, you know, think about like, here's what scripture says, let me memorize principles. I think the, the principle of emotionally healthy discipleship is that you can't be spiritually mature unless you're emotionally mature. And emotional maturity comes from, you know, a lot of different things, including taking a look, becoming emotionally aware of what you're feeling and doing and th- your motivations of your heart. And also looking at wh- where you come from, your family of origin. How does your family impact what you do in church, how, how you handle conflict, how you listen to others, how you, how you voice uh, objections to things? I think one of the problems is that we, we are called into the church and we bring our family of origin into the church, the way we behave, and then we hurt each other and we are surprised as opposed to discipleship looks like for me to sit and listen to somebody I disagree with. What does it look like for me to stop mind reading, assuming I know what you're thinking? I know the motive of your heart. You know, what do these things look like? So, so this, these courses teach those skills as well as the, the idea of cultivating intimacy with Christ and knowing yourself, which are indispensable.
1: Dave, we're so glad that you do that for the church too, because, uh, you know, it's one thing for us to be aware of the fact that things are, there's tension, but to have that actual equipping. Most people who are struggling with emotional health, which is all of us in some form or another, we don't know how. Right? If we're unhealthy, we don't know. We don't even know how we're unhealthy or how to fix that. And so, love that equipping. Uh, Justin, another thing that that's really talking about for individuals within the church: how can they contribute? To the health of the culture because the church is built on those individuals to then also think of it in terms of the body as a whole and what are things about the culture of the the body one of those that i think really dovetails nicely with what dave was talking about is our model and our understanding of church is so important to like why are we here what are we doing like what is this thing helps us get our heads wrapped around it so when we see the church truly as a family There's so much in church right now that I remember when I was a kid, I was told consistently the church is not a building, you know, the church is a people, even if we don't believe the church is a building, so many still subconsciously really believe that the church is a service. It's a worship service, you know, and because of that, it's radically individualistic that I'm coming to a service. That's going to help strengthen me for the day. That's I went to church, not I am a part of the church, which is a family, that I'm a part of a family and God designed that family in such a way that it's supposed to provide these relationships that Dave's talking about where we, because of the gospel can have these disagreeing relationships that help stretch us and grow us. And then what's the purpose? The purpose is that it's not that we're supposed to just accomplish something or we're just supposed to be good people but that God's actually working to bring out the very best in each of us individually by our interfacing with one another. And then collectively we're able to display the glory of God by how these relationships grow together. And that's something really, really powerful, but oftentimes that's not how we view church. So that's not, where you don't realize that's why we're actually a part of this thing. You know, it's not just to get a shot in the arm so
2: I can go out and try to do better this week, you know? Yeah, Tim, you know, it's interesting. I think of one of, the, one of the goals for ministry leaders is to help people think they're not, this isn't a consumer model. You know, you talked about the, the service. This isn't, a church is not a, for your consumeristic appetites. It's really a place to, to love and serve, worship God, and have long-term, meaningful, committed relationships, loving relationships. And then the question is, what does it look like to love each other? When Paul talks about forgiving each other, why is everybody surprised when we hurt each other or, you know, we're offending each other when in fact, yes, that's forgiveness isn't involved there when there's pain, when you've been offended. So moving people from a consumer idea of church to a family idea that, you know, we don't abandon our family when we disagree with each other or we hurt, but we learn how to walk with each other and love each other. I think this is so important,
1: Dave. I just I want to just camp out here for just a second because I think that that consumer model that you're mentioning and its interplay with the kind of performance based stuff of that can come in a pastor and when it comes to a church expecting a lot from a pastor, all of those unhealthy patterns. The reason we have this kind of model, right, of church is because we're trying to hit certain measurables that say something about us. And what we don't realize is that still very much working out a self-righteousness model. When we receive gospel, when we believe that Christ loves us, we don't have to have a church that looks such and such in order to feel okay about our spiritual life. Um, and But we have measurables that say, are we okay with God? And we all those measurables in a consumer model church where Sunday morning is the whole game, those measurables hurt us but god actually gives us measurables in the church and this is this is where when we have fear of people and we're looking for outward appearance we want to perform in a way that if and and people will come to a church simply because they're like this church feels successful and i want to be a part of a church that feels successful because it makes me feel spiritually successful and 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 so we'll hop around to a church that, that feels that way when in fact they're the the scriptures give us real measurables. You can't say that you love God, but hate your brother, right? And that if you love me, then you will. And every outcome on the other side of that has to do with how we love one another, how we care for people, how we care for underprivileged people. And so there's these transformative things that happen when God's at work in our heart, drawing us into his heart and making us more sensitive for a pastor to have to say, those are going to be the measurables where I see a community and individuals who are growing in their ability to love people who are not like them, to reconcile with people who they're in tension with, and to care for people who are deeply underprivileged outside of their own circles. If those are the measurables, it's a real game changer but those are the measurables if we fear God, not if we fear people.
2: Well, well said. And uh, I think if those are the measurables, then I think we have to stop the emphasis on programmatic productivity, the superficial measurables. You see, and, and what that requires, the things that you're talking about require slowing down, developing a relationship with Christ, and slowing down and dealing with each other. As I said before, relationships are messy. It takes a lot of work to help people go deep spiritually, deep in their own hearts, to understand their own motivations of their heart, the impact that they have on other people and how to deal with the conflict inherent in relationships. I mean, so churches, I think pastors, sights set on like massive growth or these kind of programs have to be brought down in a sense to developing character, integrity, love walking with people and again you just can't do that you can't do that fast that's not an eight-week course
0: Dave, you just made a comment about how relationships and community are messy. And if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God in our lives, I don't know where any of us would be. But because you two gentlemen sit with pastors and leaders, work with churches or ministries, congregations, could you think about a time where God surprised you with his grace and mercy, either in your own life, but in in the work that you do where it's like, I don't know how this mess is going to get cleaned up and just God's grace, his mercy showed up in maybe a surprising way. Now we're heading towards something else. Do any stories like that come to mind?
2: I had the privilege of helping mediate for a church, some conflict that was taking place in the church, churchwide, but also on individual levels. And the situation was essentially the daughter of a perpetrator who was serving jail time for sexually abusing high school kids in the church years ago. This daughter was under a misimpression that the current pastor had protected the abuser at the time things had come up and you know it started to be revealed what he was doing. She had left the church years before and there was a huge rift between her and the church elders as well as this particular pastor what blew me away was that god worked in her life and in the pastor's life in in such a way that she was motivated to actually sit down across the table from this pastor and the pastor was humble enough to sit and listen to her misperceptions about his role and i just sat back in tears and you know i, I don't think there was a dry eye in the room not that there were many people in that room just them and and some others a couple others but she was able to really talk honestly about her perceptions, what had happened from her perspective. And then he was able to explain, you know, his role and what had actually happened. And there was a meeting of the minds. There was a hug at the end. There was a healing that took place because things had been unspoken for years and suspicions had grown for years. That was one of the places where I thought God showed up in a beautiful way. And I I just was in complete, admiration of what God did, as well as what these two people were willing to do. Another story that comes to mind is a couple that was attending our Created for Connection marriage workshop. We have them fill out a questionnaire before the marriage seminar. And what this one couple wrote in was, we have already filed for divorce. We're just coming because we signed up for it. And uh, they came to the, the seminar and left saying we're not getting divorced we're going to seek counseling and we're going to make a go of our our marriage and these were two ministry leaders uh in a church you know obviously we were so encouraged by that and blown away by that and they are still married that was over a year ago and that they're still married they sought counseling and they've been working at it so that's you know god showed up for me
1: a pattern of story that i want to talk about Justin you know I was in pastoral ministry for 18 years before transitioning into Netzer full time and and in in those environments watching people coming from v- very different perspectives culturally not necessarily it, they would have said it was theological but it really wasn't that uh, when it came to the gospel when it came to their view of scriptures that they had they're pretty solid on their belief of the authority of scripture is pretty solid on their understanding of the gospel, but, you know, from various points, having very similar perspectives and yet politically might've been in a very different place, might've come from a different neighborhood, maybe had different ethnicity. This is not, I say, this is a pattern because Part of this is like, how do I tell any one story without talking about names or whatever? Um, but there's been many stories like this. And so a person looks at a situation and says, how in the world could a believer see it that way? And then there's an assumption that that person either isn't a believer or is way off the rocker, you know, and and this could be in in reference to any sort of political issue. It could be in reference to an economic issue. It could be, you know, and then being able to talk with the, the, bring those people into a room, facilitate a conversation that's saying, can you build from the ground up why you think this? And then the other person just watching. And at first there's always that, like, they're just mad because it's like, you're just making stuff up in order to try to convince me of your way. And then, you know, you kind of tease out, like, Yeah. But why do you think that? And you get a little deeper and a little deeper. And then eventually there's that moment where they see like, Oh, I just saw it from their perspective. And uh, like one of the biggest places where I've seen this is in one person saying, Hey, look, I don't think racism is a real thing right now in our world. And someone else who's saying like, here's my experience with racism. And then having those two people talk together and say, Hey, just because I have experienced racism doesn't mean that I believe in all the rhetoric that is secular around that uh, certain agendas related to that. And then another person being like, you know, just because. I don't feel like I personally have a problem with someone with different color skin doesn't mean that I can't come to the conclusion that there's actually injustice in our world and that people are dealt with very differently. And then coming to that place of camaraderie and realizing the biggest thing that just happened in the room is that we learned to listen to someone who we would have cut off and we learned something else. And I I think we've seen that pattern time and again, both with individuals in a congregation and also with leaders of, of congregations.
0: Dave, I want to shift the conversation slightly. So over the past decade or so, there's been this increased awareness of how mental health affects leaders. How would you encourage individuals, but also people that are listening that might be part of like ministry teams or they could be a board member, how would you encourage them to incorporate the arena of mental health into their holistic spiritual formational values, both for themselves, but also for the organizations, for the churches, the ministries that they serve?
2: You know, the idea of mental health can't be disconnected from all other aspects of what it means for us to be human, right? Our mental and emotional health and physical health are directly related to our spiritual health. I think there is a tendency or has been a tendency to sort of put a division there and say, here, spiritual health, mental health over here in different categories, as opposed to seeing an entire human being made in the image of God. I think counseling plays an important role in the overall approach to spiritual health and growth. Our psyche is a very sophisticated aspect of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And although God can intervene and do anything he wants at any time, then I think the ordinary means is that he uses people in our lives. So he uses counseling, for example, in our lives. I think we need others who are objective, who have more experience in training and can help us navigate some of the waters of emotion and thought that we can't navigate ourselves let me be honest with you when i started serving leaders ministries 15 years ago my first brochure had services that we we offered and i put counseling at the bottom and i had legal consultations in there because i thought pastors would be afraid to say well i went to serving leaders because that means necessarily there's something wrong with me i was very pleased really from the get-go to see that pastors most pastors that i've dealt with and run into There's not that stigma. It's a a great thing. I've seen that less and less so that it's not uncommon for me to counsel somebody. They invite me to their church and they introduce me as their counselor. You know, a pastor gets up in front of a thousand people and say, I've been counseled by serving leaders ministries. I wouldn't have anticipated that 15 years ago. Uh, In terms of as an organization or church, I think it's really important to recognize from the pulpit that mental health is an issue. People suffer from depression and anxiety. In fact, most pastors I know su- suffer from anxiety. But you know, I've preached sermons on depression and anxiety and burnout and soul fatigue and how to process emotions. I think it's so important for that to be normalized. I think it's encouraging for people. And then for, for key leaders in the church and staff to have access to counseling resources and to, to, to make it a normal part of the church life so for example i know churches that have a budget and they say anybody on staff gets some free counseling if they need it and there's no stigma attached. so it's it, it's become so much more accepted and at least in those circles that i've been running in
0: tim as as we wrap up here we've talked about a lot of the dysfunction between church leaders and congregations ideal might be too strong of a word but what do you see as being an ideal relationship between church leaders, pastors, and the congregation? Because we can get stuck in ruts, we can get stuck in patterns in those relationships. What's something that's heading towards a more ideal relationship?
1: There's a lot that could be said there, Justin. So I'm just going to name one thing in particular. It's very easy in codependent relationships to have unspoken contracts where we assume things of one another and kind of demand things from one another. I believe that in a really healthy relationship between a church leader and a congregation, we're not in a place of codependence. We're a place of interdependence and we know it, which means that I don't need you in the sense that you owe me something and that, uh, that if you don't fulfill that, then I shouldn't be fulfilling that, that we, that kind of relationship is not going to lead to a, a healthy place when we're in a place rather where we trust that God has blessed us with one another and that there's, there's a reason that we are placed in this place together. We're trusting God. And that trust is that God, God has a design here. And so whatever God's will is and what he's trying to fulfill, we're assuming that it has one another involved. So as a, as a leader, I'm really listening to my congregation and I'm saying, what's God doing in you? And as a congregation, we're assuming that we're, we're assuming God has a reason why these leaders are in place. And our primary objective is not to change one another. Our primary objective is not to get what we want out of one another. Our primary objective is to assume that God's at work in one another. And we're attentive to like, what is God doing here with one another? And there's that sense of trust growing among us. I think that's the ideal to say you know that we're we're all seeking the Lord. We're all pursuing Him, and we're trusting that God's got each of us in one another's lives for a really good reason.
0: Dave and Tim, thanks so much for taking time to do this collaboration podcast. It's been great to hear from both of you, both the thoughts that are cohesive together and also the different nuances between how you approach things. That's been really great. I was wondering, dave, as as we uh, as we close out here, Would you be able to, you know, picture in your mind, there's a pastor, a leader sitting across the desk from you out of God's heart, out of the goodness of God from God's heart. What would be maybe a closing word of encouragement or exhortation that you would say to that pastor, to that leader, uh, in the current context that we're in?
2: I guess I would say that to this pastor, that God has called you into a very powerful, sacred, beautiful work, and he's called you not because you're equipped, but because he will equip you, and he can equip you, and that all of the insecurities and fears that you have inside need to be openly, honestly acknowledged and addressed before the Lord without shame and without guilt But to trust God that he knows you, he loves you, that he he has grace for you and that you should see yourself and all that you do through the grace-filled eyes of Christ and not through a comparison standard or competitive standard or some standard that you've erected, but that God is pleased with you and will finish the work that he's completed in you and that All you need to do is, is submit to him, love him, obey him and let him work through you and have confidence that he is working even when you are not. And even when you're not risen to that uh, level of ability that you think you ought to, but walk in his grace and his love and his power.
0: And Tim, could you close us out just with a word of blessing over serving the leaders and the work that they do?
1: Yeah, before we pray, I just I just want to mention, Dave, again, how much we appreciate you and all that you do in our region and the health that God uses serving leaders to bring to leaders in our area and to the church. And I just want to say also to any leaders who are there, as, as Dave was talking about mental health and was talking about how many leaders are, are open now about their ability to receive counseling, to receive support. For me, it's been a huge gift to the church to have serving leaders as one who's coming alongside of leaders. And I know there's other organizations too. We just want to encourage you, please, Dave's admonition of like, find ways to be open to receiving from others, to be really honest with yourself. It only leads in the long run that only leads to health to freedom, to goodness, and, and certainly uh, serving leaders is high on the list of places that we just want to say, if you're looking for a place to receive some of that support and that help, we would encourage you to plug in at serving leaders and, and look for that. And with that said, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time together, and we thank you for, for your church. We thank you for the gift, God, that you've given us that of all the institutions, of all the organizations that are in our world, that there's something so unique about your church. And what's unique is that you're leading it, that you've designed it, and you've given us this good news in the middle of it that allows us, God, to have this promise from you that you can be working things out in and among us that wouldn't be possible in any Any other way than us being under the banner of Christ, connected with others who are in the same place, and you working things out in us that can bring us to a place of flourishing together. We thank you for that, God. Thank you for that. So we bless you, Jesus. Uh, we ask your blessing over serving leaders and over Dave. And, and uh, thank you so much for his recent sabbatical. And just ask that uh, you continue to strengthen his own heart as he and his staff all work to strengthen many other church leaders' hearts as well. God, we bless you today as the leader. Uh, who has laid down your own life for us and stayed healthy all the way through because you submitted to your Father and stayed connected to your Father. We thank you for showing us the way. We trust you and love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.